0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: You're listening to Cork Today
2: on Replay. On C103. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103.
3: Course
4: And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is on a day off uh, today so uh, Bernie is uh, taking your calls. If there's anything you want to get off your chest, we'd love to hear from you. You can give Bernie a buzz. You can text her WhatsApp us as well to 0862 103, 103 but I want to start by going back to last Friday night when we selected our song for Europe for this year with McCroom native Bambi Thug coming out on top with their song Doomsday Blues. Our Eurovision correspondent Johnny O'Mahony, who in fairness predicted the win on Friday, uh, once again joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Johnny.
2: Good morning, Trish. How are
4: you? Um, Well done. You you picked another winner. (laughs) What, What was it about the song that you felt it could win last Friday night? I think it
2: was the whole package, first of all, but the song, just, there's a great, it, it's completely different and a song not written for Eurovision, I think, is, you know, people are going out writing songs, oh, it's a song for Eurovision and that's what, what, what people are doing wrong. This was completely different, um, especially unique for Ireland, um, unique for Eurovision, I suppose, as well, but there's a great hook to the song and it's there, there's something about it. Bambi performed like it was a brilliant performance, simple, effective, but done very, very well. And um, I think that it, it was just a whole package and that's what we need and what we haven't had for a long time. So I, I, I think I think that's that's why, why uh, we're going to Malmo with Bambi.
4: Yeah. And uh, and I have to say the performance I thought was uh, incredible. And as I was watching it, I was thinking this will transfer very well onto a big Stage, which is what Malmo will be.
2: Yeah, a big stage, and it, that, that's what it's all about. Now, what they do between now and Malmo, are they going to maintain it and improve it? Are they going to downgrade it? it they just have to work on what they have and make it even it, as 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 much better as they can. Um, this, it is going to be a huge stage, no doubt. Bambi's has gone, and the the dancers, whatever, whether they live just the same two or whatever is going to have a big impact. And uh, I think um, in in recent years, TikTok has made Eurovision, brought it back into the limelight, so to speak, all over the world. And I think Bambi is the perfect act for TikTok um I suppose success yeah. um in Eurovision this year so I mean there's it it's it's Ireland's to lose I think at this point now you know going in there with, with a big production will make it even better.
4: Yeah I know I know the sound wasn't great on Saturday, on Friday night and that wasn't Bambi Thug's uh, fault but that obviously will be all very different on the night and at the end of the day it was a big public vote that pushed it over the line huge
2: public vote and um there there is a big um there's a big following out there today um and e- even obviously on friday but even it, it's topped the the there's there's a few different polls going around um in the eurovision in the eurovision world i suppose and ireland the top of the poll at the moment it's the favorite um among um fans i suppose you could say for um for eurovision top song. yeah it's the favorite at the moment i read about I think 12 songs chosen or whatever it's topped and nobody expected that. And it's, uh, it it's a big, um, it's a big thing to have at this point. It's, it's, I suppose it's, um, it's, it's a difficult one to have, but it, it what people are looking at today where they wouldn't have been, say this time last year is we're, we're going in there positively with something completely different, some, something, but again, it's, it's kind of, 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 of the time. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's something good to look forward to, I suppose. For Yeah, and
4: I, I think it's interesting to hear you say that it's going down well across Europe with the Eurovision fan base, which is absolutely massive. Uh, massive across and Europe. crucial. And, and they're the ones that vote, ultimately.
2: Yeah, and in, in recent years, that's how it's been. I mean, say we initially won with... um Maneskin going back a few years ago. Nobody expected they were going to do anything, and they they stole the show again because it was a complete package. And this is what Bambi is going to bring. Know, going with with the with, with, with the same kind of um, simplicity and uh, just go out there and do. It. We we can do the same in in Mamo. So I mean, yeah, there's there's a huge fan base. And uh, that's that's where the votes
4: will come from on the night. Now, unfortunately, there was a torrent of hateful messages on social media. Are you surprised by that or would you have been expecting it?
2: Not surprised at all, because regardless of who won, there would have been a torrent of abuse and hatred. It, there's, it That's, I suppose, that's part of life today, you know, regardless. It goes out, um, no matter who would have done, whoever would have won would have got um I, I I mean because Bambi Tug was the the main I suppose um what where people were pushing all week it was it was kind of the favorite all week um had they lost it would have changed things again there would have been a lot of um you know bad publicity out there like that and it's the same so regardless i th- I think it's just best to ignore stuff like that um this is the first time in a long time that you know, Ireland has got such, um, said the Irish Eurovision entry has got such publicity and attention. So I mean, there's how the haters gonna hate, regardless, and uh, that's that's just how it, how yeah. it is. That's life today, I suppose, and it's it's just kind of you know you can it, it, it sh- um they won it fair and square. Mm. And that's, you that's know, the I, I
4: I was watching at the weekend, particularly some of the far right agitators, and they were having caliphs about Bambi's uh, win, and you know, talking about oh, bring back Dan and bring back Johnny Logan. So I was thrilled to see Johnny, to see Johnny Logan. Johnny Logan. Him, yeah. Johnny Logan came out and says, and I quote, "It's probably the best and or most original entry that Ireland has had for a long, for as long as I can remember." So he's, he's he's
2: backing he's it. He's a hundred percent right, dead right. And I mean, no disrespect to Dan, but who, who wants to. Dana back to your vision in fairness you know no disrespect like it's it's not you know I've always said you need a song that's going to do well in the charts that's going to sell records I suppose is, is the wrong way to look at it. no but streams Bambi has amassed as, as a 60 million streams um over the last few yeah, years they, they have a so huge me- following already yeah, and that's that's where you're coming from. I mean that's that's what's what what people are looking for. And you know, you think, right, how many um streams has Dana had? And no again, no disrespect to Dana but this is the comparison and this we're living in twenty twenty four and you have to go with what's um you know, what's popular now and this is what's popular yeah. now. When I heard the song first I thought, No, but there was something about it that had that hoop and that it that's there. But it's not just about the song there's great, um, Bambi has great stage presence and well able to communicate and positive and, you know, the lyrics of the song are great and from, from for the the whole thing, I think it's the best result there could have been on Friday night.
4: You you sound excited about Eurovision this year, which I haven't heard you in quite <laughs> a good few years being that excited about an entry.
2: Yeah, no, and, and I haven't been, you know, because this, this um, you know, other i've i've liked songs in recent years but this this definitely is up there now It it's um there, there is a i have a, a kind of a positive vibe about it and again it's number one it's all about qualifying and then after qualifying to do well maybe get on the left side of the the board, but I, I I, think I may have said to you on Friday, I don't think there's any winner there. But having seen the performance on Friday night, I think there is, you know, it, it it's a we have a big show. We have a
4: chance, we have a chance where we've sent kind of the middle of the road stuff. Uh, and we were only mentioning it on Friday. You know, it's been years since we've even got out of the semi finals to get into the final. Like we've got a real, real shot at it yeah. this time.
2: And even of the other five songs that were there, well. They were good in their own way. They were none of them would have. Well, none of the other five would have qualified in in for the final in Mama. There would it just wouldn't have happened because yeah. they were all too. We've seen them all before. There was nothing original. This is the original. This is um. Uh, This this is our our best chance uh, going forward. And fingers crossed, I I hope it does well. This will
4: make Europe wake up and go, hey, there's there's, there's Ireland.
2: Well, they have woken up already already that Ireland are are coming back fighting.
4: Okay, and Bambi Thug will certainly wake him up, that's uh, for sure. So it'll all very much be down to the stage I I believe
2: Bambi's dad is from Sweden. So there's a a Swedish connection there, so... uh,
4: Fingers crossed even better. Even better. Yeah. Okay. Listen, uh, we'll talk uh, closer to the time in May. uh, Johnny, in the meantime, thank you for that. Thanks uh, thanks, uh, for joining us already. Getting some commentary in. Hi, Patricia. I thought the Eurovision Song Contest song that we picked is different, and that's what we need. And the lighting, it had great graphics, and it showed creativity. I think this could be the one that gets us in and outside the box. I wish Bambi the best of luck. That's from uh, Anthony. And someone else says, the more. bonkers the song and the artist the better the chance we have and by God says Dick Friday's winner was uh, both. Uh, hi Patricia if Dana or Johnny Logan entered the Eurovision Song Contest now they wouldn't win. It's more of a pantomime than a singing contest. Well it's an overall stage performance and can I just say um, you know the amount of hate that was pouring out for Bambi uh, at the weekend which I thought was just really really unfair. But I love to quote from Bambi where they where they answered their own critics by saying, uh, do yourself a favour and don't waste your life hung up with hate, internalised homophobia, misogyny, transphobia and self-hate, they stated. Practice self-compassion and perhaps you'll learn to live in love. Don't be mad because I haven't forgotten the art of play, fun and creation. And you have sending you warm, golden energy of kindness. And uh, they put an X at the uh, end of it. Well done. That is uh, Bambi Thug. 0818 103 103 And a very small clip from the song. Just to remind you, this is our entry for the Eurovision. There you go, Bambi Thog, Doomsday Blues. 0818 103 103... Bernie taking your call. Someone says I've never seen such rubbish going to Eurovision what a waste of taxpayers money says this texture. Well somebody else said I didn't actually see the competition on Friday night but I have to say that singer was absolutely brilliant and I love the song and if you listen to the song a couple of times it's one of those ones that really really grows on you and as Johnny said there's a real hook in the song which is what you need for a song to do well for Eurovision. It isn't going to be everybody's cup of tea and I think you know please God we will get to speak to ba- ba- I think they themselves will will say that their type of music isn't everybody's cup of tea. But remember, at the end of the day, we're selecting a song for Europe. It's a huge, huge, wide audience and there will be people will absolutely love that kind of uh, a song. And who knows, it could be bringing Eurovision back to uh, Ireland. And can I just stay on TV programmes for uh, a moment? Uh, One of my favourite programmes at the moment has got to be the Tommy Tiernan show on uh, Saturday nights. I love the idea of guests coming out who Tommy hasn't a clue who they're going to be and then for him to tease out that he knows some of the people but he doesn't, the majority of them, he doesn't even know who they are so he doesn't even know their backstory and he has a great talent and a great knack of getting the best out of of the people that he's, he's interviewed. I think it's just a wonderful concept of a show. Very few people can I say, can do what Tommy Tiernan does with his guests? Patton from Moy was watching on. Saturday night and like myself he's a big fan of Tommy Tiernan's show. He said there was a man on this week called John Lancaster who was born with a facial disfigurement and uh, John, Pat says his face looked quite frightening but Tommy spoke to him and, and Pat says it was one of the best things he's seen on TV. Tommy he said there's a great knack of bringing out the best uh, of people. I've seen John Lancaster before. He's he's incredible that the disorder that he was born with, he's just it, there's no bones in him in his face um, and it's just it's a dreadful dreadful disorder to live with because you you know everywhere he goes he's wearing his disorder very much on his face and you can imagine when you're growing up with children and how children can be cruel without even meaning to be and John Lancaster is fantastic for others who are born with the disorder that he has as well he's a great advocate and a wonderful man a wonderful man but yes I agree I thought it was a tremendous uh, interview I was glued to it thank you for your call Pat to 0818103103.
5: Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at c103.ie. When you talk to me.
1: Report today on C103. Ireland's
4: review of the handling of the COVID-19 pandemic is to have a no-blame approach and will not be a UK-style inquiry, but it will include the government's handling of the pandemic as well as the impact on the economy. Now, not everyone is happy with how the COVID inquiry will look, including Care Champions. And joining me to explain more is Magella Beatty of uh, Care Champions. Good morning to Magella.
3: Good morning, Patricia. How are
4: you? I'm very well. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Now, what we are relying on at the moment is a briefing to opposition TDs because we don't have the terms of reference yet. So, what concerns you the most from what you've heard so far?
3: Yes, and as you rightly said, we, have, we haven't we have even seen the draft document, only the briefing reports of the media. So, I suppose the first and foremost thing is that the panel that will be chosen will not have the power to compel the production of necessary records, evidence, or to um, call witnesses. So there's a huge concern that it's just going to be um, really a whitewash. Really, you know, it doesn't have any teeth. It's not. Um, it's basically well, if you want to stand up and tell whatever um, decisions that may have been wrong decisions, um, you can do so if you want, and if you don't, you don't have to. So. I suppose, really, where we we are coming from, we want an inquiry that has teeth we want one that will provide the evidence and the records, and we want one that will provide recommendations and changes for the future so that when we ever do hit um, a pandemic again or a similar crisis, that we have learned from this one that we are not going to have thousands of families across the country as we have now who are totally broken and in bits and for very basic, simple things like not being able to access records, who did what, when, why, and
4: where. But it's it's the fact that the I know the nursing home model um, will be non-statutory and expert-led, um, and 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 that's that's re, that's your real bugbear. the fact it's non-statutory, they can't come, they can't um, make anyone come along.
3: No and now they're calling it an independent pandemic evaluation, and an evaluation is not an investigation. Um, You know, we would also have concerns about human rights compliance within the panel. We believe there must be a human rights expert on that panel. You know, many of the mistakes that we saw repeated wave wave to wave, we believe is because decisions were often made through a medical lens only, and what I mean by that is When decisions were made to um, leave people in rooms for weeks and months and end with no access to their loved ones, they saw them as dementia. They saw them as a person of age. They didn't see them as a human being with with rights to make decisions and rights to have access to their loved ones. So we believe if we're going to learn anything from um, this inquiry, we need to do it right. We need to bring all the facts to the table. We need to bring in the appropriate experts. And put it all out there so we can, with the proper evidence, see what we did well, what we did wrong, and how we can improve and it learn. And
4: learning. Do do your members very much want their voices heard, Magella?
3: Our families must be heard. You know, at the end of the day, uh, and what many people across the country in various different sectors were were harmed or, or, or who felt um, were hard done by during COVID. The victims are the people who die, the people who experience harm, be it in the nursing home, a hospital, a disability service, home care. They must be centred. There must be a voice for everybody in this inquiry. And we must have the right to tell our story without fear, you know, without fear of legal um, consequences. And We must be able to stand up and say, this is what my loved one went through. This is what my mother and my father experienced. This is what my husband went through. And I... And this is the consequences of it. And and in order to do that, we must be provided with the records for our individual loved ones. Like, it's shocking to think that here we are going into the fourth year and some people who are frozen back in a time in 2020 or 2021 still do not know who was there, did they receive medical treatment or attention. So in order to be able to tell our stories, We need that documentation and we have a right to that
4: documentation. Yeah, I know the draft uh, review says it's about identifying lessons and then making recommendations. And ultimately, that's exactly what I'm hearing from you this morning. You you know, we want to make sure that the same mistakes are not made again. But you're fearful that based on what's there so far, they won't be able to identify all of the lessons that were learned. Not at all.
3: Um, uh, You know, unless the panel has the power to call any specific person in and to insist on documentation or records or minutes of meetings or whatever it is in order to to actually understand how these decisions happen. People are uh, ultimately not just going to hand that up. You know, as a stand at the minute, we're hearing from government, we've done really well, we've done fantastic. Well, government haven't spoken to our families. Government have not spoken to the staff that we have supported. Government have not listened. They have made no effort to come in and see what actually really happened. So how can you learn the lessons if you're not actually going to go to the heart of it, go to the people who are most affected?
4: Yeah, I know opposition TD's now got this briefing and they now have three weeks to make proposals to the terms of uh, reference. Uh, are you hoping that your voice will be heard at this stage, Magella?
3: I am uh, very hopeful that opposition TVs will continue to um, maybe more strongly um, start fighting the cause. You know, we have um, met with uh, many of the opposition and, you know, we appreciate their support and we hope that in the coming weeks that they will um, stand with the the people who are harmed. You know, at the end of the day, you know, government keeps talking about a witch hunt. Nobody is looking for a witch hunt. What we're looking for is the truth. What we are looking for is how did this happen? Why were the decisions made? What was the science at the time? What was the policy? And what was the actual experience? So it's really important at this point that every member of the opposition stands up to make sure that as a country we're not going to spend enormous amounts of uh, money on something that's only, um, only done for the sake of doing it, that's not going to look or make any changes or improvements, and not give any consolation or any um answers to the people who have been
4: harmed yeah and and I know there everyone's at pains to point out that it shouldn't be a witch hunt and it shouldn't be all about pointing the finger of uh, blame, but I mean a no blame approach doesn't mean a no accountability approach absolutely surely
3: absolutely absolutely, and you know. Uh, when, when we do get the facts, we can all assume what the facts are. You know, we all have our own ideas. Well, they must have done this or they must have done that. But we don't know because we don't have the evidence. But when we do, and obviously there are mistakes, our, fam, our group wouldn't exist if there weren't serious failings. But when we get those failings, we need to see, OK, we need to be accountable for what we've done wrong. We need to be accountable. We need to acknowledge, and I think this is one thing, government have never acknowledged the harm and the the grief and the pain that's been experienced by so many people. We need to acknowledge it, and we need to see, okay, as a state, how did we go wrong? What are we going to do to ensure that we never again harm people in the manner that they've been harmed throughout this time?
4: Okay, somebody's asking a very obvious question that, that I suppose I should have asked you at at the start because, you know, as Care Champions, you're, you're a group that represent uh, families who lost loved ones uh, during during COVID-19. Has your group been involved in any way in the drafting of the terms of reference?
3: No, we've requested to, and, we, and many uh, of the opposition have, have requested that we will be involved. Um, the teachers did say only, I think, two weeks ago and it's all in response um uh, in response to a question I actually think might have been from McFarry. Um, the Taoiseach said that uh, he didn't have time. He didn't have time to meet with groups like ours. So, but like at the end of the day, we have been requesting meetings from the outset. From the end of wave one, we have been requesting with government to sit down to listen. We want to be involved. We are the experts because we live the policies that failed us. So, no, to answer your question, no, we've been completely, as we always have been, uh, government seem to put us so more up between trying to meet victims and um, and cha- uh, and make differences going
4: forward. Well, it just seems so obvious when they get to the part of the long-term residential care uh, facilities, uh, particularly those in, in nursing homes, it seems the obvious that your members of your group uh, would would be there in in some capacity uh, to formulate what you need, the questions that need to be asked, and the answers that you need to get. Listen, Miguel, it's something I know we'll be coming back to uh, again. In the meantime, thank you for that, and thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Magella Beauty of uh, Care Champions. Uh, 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls this morning. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103, 103
1: Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Report
4: today on C103. Now, as Barry has mentioned on the news earlier this morning, tonight the Charleville Park Hotel will be the venue for a public meeting by the Charleville Community Forum to try to remove the high number of HGVs going through the town every single day. Evelyn O'Rourke, sorry, Evelyn O'Keefe is chair of the Charleville Community Forum, and Evelyn joins me this morning. Good morning, to you, Evelyn.
6: Good morning, Patricia, and thanks for having
4: me. Well, you're, you're, you're very welcome. Now, outside of members of the public, who are you hoping will attend tonight's meeting and who else are you inviting? <clears throat>
6: well, we've invited Cork County Council and we've also invited the three Cork North West PDs and we invited our four local county councillors um, for the Cork LEA and we've invited um, a member from the Hallidge uh, Association We also invited um, members from the OPW as they have a major site on the N20. And um, so we're kind of getting updates hopefully from all of them as to what improvements are being done as we had a lot of statements coming out in the last month or two. And um, from county councillors and the county council, and none of them seem to match each other, so it caused a lot of confusion. So that was the idea of having the meeting, just kind of clear up what is and what isn't happening, you know. Um, yeah, get get up get absolute,
4: lines. yeah, get absolute uh, clarity. The, is the provision exactly. of a relief road for Charleville the only way you'll remove all those HGVs from the main street?
6: Yeah, I think that's it. In the long run, it's the only way we'll be able to remove the HDVs. As like, listening to the coroner's report from um, the, the last few deaths, what he was saying is that we're only um, grasping at straws unless we remove the HDVs. The HDVs are the risk. And as we see with the the, the increase in use of car here, Um, in the south of Ireland is increasing traffic on to travel and we know at the moment um, Corkport is only operating at about 50% and so that will increase in time and again that will have a knockdown effect here in travel. So, you know, you can do all the small things um, but unless you actually remove HTVs you know, we're really just you know being Russian roulette here. Yeah, driving. and it
4: isn't in fairness to the HTV drivers; they have no other choice. This is the only route that they that they can take between once leaving Cork and heading up to the west of Ireland.
6: Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, and your heart goes out to the HTV drivers. You know, they really. You know, I can see them now coming through and it must be nerve-wracking for them as well because they physically cannot see the people that walk out in front of them. And because traffic is so heavily congested, people feel safe walking out in front of cars and HTVs because it's like a car park at the best times on the main street. So it gives you an illusion of safety. But again, I suppose people don't realise how far the blind spot is on HTVs.
4: They're, yeah, they're so high up. Now, I, I remember last May, Evelyn Transport Infrastructure Ireland, the TII, they committed to providing funds needed for that relief road for for Charleville. Did you get any time frame from them?
6: Yeah, <clears throat> well, what we got in the early December, there was a meeting in December in Cork County Council, and so we were to get an update from that meeting as to what were the proposals that they were going to send to TII. Um, but nothing actually came out of that meeting, and we were met with silence, and that kind of... You know, we were wondering why... Um, so, again... They said the works would start in january and again now you know it's the 29th of january and no works have started so again you know we've had lots of um press releases and statements and you know going back a few years we even had a pedestrian crossing at the junction of where two people actually have died since but no pedestrian crossing so it's kind of very frustrating that we know they have the answers and they have the solutions we just want them to implement them and um, so hopefully tonight that will clear up a few of those things you know why pedestrian costs that was supposed to go ahead, either are or not going ahead, and what was the justification for them. Because from what we can see from the plans that we only got a few days ago since we announced the meeting from cork Council, is is um, that all the plans don't remove one HTV out of the town. So we're uh. kind of what is the reasoning for it in order to justification when, as you said, the TII have committed to funding.
4: And, and and these are the, the, I was looking at figures from the TII, they say on average 15,000 vehicles a day pass through Charleville, of which 40% of them are HGVs. I mean, there's probably very few other towns that have figures like that on the volume of traffic and on the volume of HGVs. Yeah, and like we are a going
6: town like everybody else. Um, we have a population of six thousand within three kilometres of Charval Town, and like that, within the next few months, we're getting about two hundred and seventy Ukrainian refugees here in town. So that will be a huge population increase, you know, and people that wouldn't be familiar with our road So it's vital that we do have, you know, clear signage, you know, clear safety measures put in place. As you know, we will be putting people's lives at risk if we don't, you know. And you know, as public representatives and um, and ourselves representing the community, you know, it's the duty of care to actually do something and not just be talking about it for another 10 20 years.
4: And you know if we unfortunately and very sadly we have we've seen too many and particularly too many elderly people uh, killed on on your main street. Is it something that everybody worries about almost on a daily basis, um Evelyn?
6: Oh 100%. And even now every time we hear the fire brigade going off in town everybody just kind of you kind of hold your breath for a few minutes and you're just waiting and you're like or the road traffic? You know, and especially of a Friday when we hear the sirens go off, everyone's like, oh my God, here again. Junkers, town increases in volume. We've an awful lot of people coming in doing shopping on a Friday. And again, that time, you know, you've the elderly coming in for their pensions and everything and that is high-risk time. And, you know, we do, and anyone that has been in town in the last year, you know, you do. And if you were there around the times of those two incidents, it, it, is, it does affect you. Yeah, you know, you can't yeah. just sit on it, you know, get on with your life but it didn't happen. It did happen and you know, it's heartbreaking and, and we really, really don't want to see it again. You know?
4: I, I, I spotted a piece, I think it was last week uh, in, in one of the papers, that pedestrian safety works are due to start in the coming weeks. Is,
6: is that going to help? Well, that's the thing. I have those, um, and I will read them out tonight. We have those, um, what they're going to do. And like we'll say, just briefly there, like one of them there is five pedestrian crossings and will be upgraded to tabletop you know, tabletop ramps at the actual um, pedestrian cost. With that in itself, um, will actually just slow traffic down again and cause more congestion. Um so we can't see how that will help. Obviously it will help um, you know, cars, you'll be able to see the pedestrian a lot easier. But cars aren't the you know, they're not the problem at the moment. It's the HTVs. And we do welcome the movement of the bus stop being separated from the loading bay, which was causing chaos here for decades, you know. The, the expressway buses and mm. the delivery drivers were using the same loading bay and it was causing chaos. Yeah, that's so been a bottleneck.
4: Th- I can't believe that yeah. they, they haven't moved on that beforehand.
6: Yeah, it's a very easy fix. Like, you know, officially relying on um, markers on the road for both of them to have their own separate areas. And... um So that is a positive move. You know, it's all not negative. They are doing things. And I suppose, again, they're talking about removing the herringbone angle in parking. But again, it's only talking and there's no fixed date of when it's going to happen. Yeah. The longer we go, the higher the risk
4: yeah, yeah, the, the work they say, happened. work is ongoing to provide additional parking off Main Street and and once secured, that herringbone angle in parking will be removed and, and, and it'll be replaced then by parallel parking. And that's important because it eliminates that need for motorists who at the moment have no other choice, but they've got to reverse out of the parking space. But like it, it says in the statement, work is ongoing to provide additional parking off street and once secured i mean is the, it, can you think off the top of your head are there sites where additional parking could be put off the main street
6: um, there is a few abandoned and derelict um, sites, you know, okay. which would, could be turned around. But again, are they open to the council, you know, like, or are they in private ownership and how long would that take to secure it? Um, they may be council area that we don't know that they could um, use themselves, you know. So, again, there are things that hopefully we'll clear up You tonight. get some answers tonight, and
4: OK. Exactly,
6: yeah. So okay. that's it. I think that's it to clear up as much as we can. And for people, especially residents on the main street and where, you know, they might feel you know, they might have a bus stop outside the house and they want to have questions answered. You know, tonight is the night, you know, because people can get very stressed and anxiety levels can be high. Um, so it's good just to clear it out, you know, see what is happening, what isn't happening. And again, the time frame of when we're expected for these things to go Yeah, yeah.
4: get the information. I mean, I think that's what that's what most people want. So it's tonight, Charleville Park Hotel, 7pm, uh, is it 7? Did I see 7? 7 7.30. 7.30, 30, yeah. 7 okay. And to uh, everyone to come along and there will be an opportunity for people to ask questions and get their, their questions answered, uh, hopefully. Evelyn, we wish you luck with it. Uh, well done and thank you for joining us on the programme.
6: And thank you. Bye. Good
4: morning to you. That is Evelyn O'Keefe who is Chair of the Charleville Community Forum, just doing all they can to keep people as safe as possible, both those people living in Charleville and those who um, visit for shopping or for work. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. 103, lines are open. John has been on just to give this out by way of a warning I suppose more than anything to say, Patricia, the Formoy-Ballyduff Road is flooded again at Mount Rivers at a particularly dangerous brend, all for the sake of opening and freeing the shores which didn't happen, says uh, John. So please be uh, careful. We spoke about uh, Charleville and that meeting that's going ahead tonight. Very much open to the public and uh, all of the elected representatives of um, and, and members of C- Cork County Council have all been invited to uh, attend just to try to make uh, Charleville a safer place for everyone but particularly for pedestrians. Somebody says, Patricia, the biggest problem in Charleville are, are people just walking out between the traffic It's it is chronic. There are plenty of pedestrian crossings and traffic lights uh, to use. Yeah, but I suppose people just take a chance because, you know, I think Evelyn described it very well when she says, you know, the traffic most of the time is at a standstill. It's almost like if you have to go through Charleville regularly, you will know. It's like being in a car park. It, it, It feels like none of the traffic is moving and I suppose if you want to get across the road, people just take the chance and we've had very unfortunate consequences because of it. And then someone says, Patricia, I actually attend An inquest in Cork back in the early noughties, and it actually concerned a HTV killing, a a killing of a pedestrian the death of, not kidding, the death of a pedestrian uh, by coming out in front of a truck. It was mentioned back then that HGVs could install a downward mirror so drivers could see what's just under their cab. That would be much less expensive than building a bypass and it could have been up and running. And if it was up and running, it would be saving lives much more quicker. 20 years since that inquest that I attended, nothing has been done. It just seems to all be talk, says this uh, texter. And then on the COVID inquiry that we spoke with Care Choice, who are just worried about families who lost loved ones not being included and their voice has not been heard in this COVID inquiry. And we need to have a COVID inquiry. We need to, more than anything, we need to recognise what we did wrong. We also need to recognise what we did right, because there was many things done right during the pandemic. But sadly, there was also things done wrong. But we need to learn from what was done wrong so that we can put in place recommendations to make sure that we learn from the lessons so that it never happens again. And I think that's where families who lost loved ones during COVID are so frustrated and so upset and so saddened by what they're hearing so far even before the the terms of reference have come out from the inquiry but they're fearful that their voices and ultimately the voices of their loved one who've passed away is not going to be heard and if they're not heard how can lessons be learned? Somebody said bereaved families have experienced such trauma throughout the COVID pandemic and they know what issues need to be changed in case and there will be another pandemic. My experience was with a hospital where older people were isolated from their families also and many of them died alone. We need to be included in this public inquiry in order to share our experience and to gain some closure and to gain some acknowledgement our government it appears will just not engage with us uh, at all and let's, let's hope that that does change before we start the COVID inquiry and and I know what we don't want is uh, an inquiry that's going to go on for years and years and years and years to the point that we almost forget what the inquiry was about I mean, we've, we've got to get this but we've got to get this inquiry right uh, as well and I think we can only get it right by exactly that listener uh, has a story to tell and a story that needs to be uh, heard. 0818103103. And can I go back to the Eurovision for a moment? Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, back in the days when the Beatles emerged, they were berated by the stalwarts of the day, but how wrong they were. My God, how wrong they were, says uh, Michael. Bambi will rock the Eurovision. Love them or hate them, every good luck to them and to Ireland. And also on Tommy Tiernan show that was mentioned, the Tommy Tiernan show, according to Michael, is far, far superior to the Late Late show. He is absolutely outstanding. And just actually while we're on about uh, RTE and stars, uh, etc. Harry sent in a WhatsApp earlier uh, to say, have RTE learnt nothing? He said he nearly choked in his cornflakes when he was hearing the top 10 on air earners. Uh, now, have they learned? Well, they have because the, the and this is on our news, and Obari is carrying this as well. What RT have published today is the top turn earners, but this is for 2020 two. No surprise to see that Ryan Toberty was at the top of the list, but I don't know if that figure is higher than what we expected. Over a half a million. For one year's work, €515,000. Uh, Next on the list is Joe Duffy. Uh, Joe earned €351,000, which was unchanged from the previous year. Claire Byrne, Claire Byrne is in third place. Now, she did see a drop in her wages. It went from €350,000 to 320800 833. Miriam O'Callaghan in fourth stays the same for 2021, uh, 263,000 a year for 2022. Now, Ray Darcy seems to be the only one who had a big drop in his earnings. He went down by €100,000. So for 2022, he earned €250,000. Uh, but if you go back a few years For Ray Darcy, back in his glory days in 2019, he was earning €450,000. Isn't that huge? What was he doing in 2019? Was he doing TV work maybe at the same time? Maybe that was it. Uh, Brendan O'Connor is sixth on the list. He does the two uh, weekend shows Saturday and Sunday. He earned €245,000 and that was in both uh, years. Now, that top six that I've just called out they're all contractors so you have to go down to 7th place to find the first top paid PAYE worker for the station and that was Brian Dobson and his earnings for 2022 was £209,681 euro and of course Brian Dobson has recently announced he is retiring in April even though he would have had another year to go age wise but he's decided to get out uh, early Mary Wilson then is next on the list 196. Uh, then the sports presenter Dara Maloney. He earned €183,000 and the 10th on the list is the RTE's environment correspondent George Lee and he earned 179821 which was just slightly more than what he earned in 2021. Now RTE when they published The earnings today said that the total cost of the highest earning broadcasters represents less than 1% of the total operating costs. And of course, the Director General, Kevin Backhurst, has said in the future, no one at the station will be paid a salary exceeding his own salary uh, as contracts expire and salaries are reduced. And we know that his salary is €250,000. So he's saying, but he's got to wait because obviously they, well, particularly the top six, it really is only the top six, uh, even though, hang on maybe I'm wrong, it's the top five, because Brendan O'Connor has come in just uh, under it. So the top five are all over that €250,000 mark That he's that's the bench he's setting. So when they come up for renegotiation, uh, they will be on. The least they can be on is, um, or the most they can be on, should I say, is €250,000. It'll be interesting to see how strong Kevin Backhurst will be when he goes to renegotiate the contracts because Oliver Callenhan last week who was named as the replacement for Ryan Tuberty on a one-hour show five days a week. He came straight out and said his salary is €150,000. So one wonders, will Kevin Backhurst set that as a figure? possibly some of the highest uh, earners but I imagine a lot of them in RTE feeling a little bit uncomfortable today with the announcement of those uh, figures. Some of them come though as no real surprise. We've all known that the top 10 earners in RTE were all on huge huge sums of money but to Harry who says if RTE learned their lesson yes. If I had Kevin Backhurst on the line and asked him that question he would say yes he has very much learned uh, lessons. He wasn't there when those contracts were negotiated. He wasn't there when they agreed those colossal sums but when the lads and lassies come back in to renegotiate it'll be interesting times ahead and this time next year when they once again will publish the top 10 earners uh, let's see the difference it will be Uh, between uh, next year's one and the one we've just announced oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. and John O'Donovan the city has been on this is to do with Ian Bailey and the fact that Ian Bailey's flat was searched Ian uh, John says why did they not do this before the man died he wasn't dead five minutes when they got a search warrant to search his flat they still seem to have him down as the main suspect even though the DPP said on two occasions there was no case to answer well I'm assuming that what that's got to do with uh, John is there's a cold case review one at the moment I imagine they had intended going back to Ian Bailey even though he had offered himself, I remember him saying he had offered himself when the cold case review got uh, announced he had offered straight away that he was willing to sit down and talk with the officers involved they hadn't got around to speaking to him yet it was part of their plan to speak to him so maybe it was part of their plan as well to do a search so I suppose I would think the reason that they moved so quickly is because he has passed away and that property, that Ian Bailey, that flat was only rented, and it would be cleared out. And I'm, I'm assuming that they're fearful that there could could be something there that they need as part of their inquiry. Oh uh, eight one eight one zero three one zero three. And Michael in Ballyduff Upper is a farmer. He says, "Oh, this is to do with the comments that came in earlier." from John who said that the road between Fermoy and Ballyduff was flooded, flooded again. He said at Mount Mount Rivers, it's on a dangerous bed. bed. Uh, well, Michael is a farmer in ballyduff Uffer and he says farmers are not allowed to touch the dikes anymore. He says it's due to the Green Party so they can't prevent flooding on the roads. They could lose their subsidies if they clear the dikes. And this is from the journal.ie. Hedgerows are critical to maintain wildlife diversity in established habitats, particularly for birds. Those who break the act by engaging in hedge cutting are burning between March and August, can be summons before the court and uh, fined. But are, are, are we not out of that period? We're into the cutting period where you can engage in, in hedge uh, cutting. And I do know between March and August, you can't because of the Wildlife Act. So Michael is pointing the finger blame at the Wildlife Act and the Green Party. 0818103103, 103. lines are open. C103 jobs. Construction worker wanted for a job in Mallow, helping trades and ad hoc tasks on site. Send your CVs, please, to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Clonakilty Community Sports uh, Association has a part-time position uh, available for an administrator slash general operative. It's to deal with queries and bookings. You can email cv to info at com, and please mark it for the attention of the... Um A uh, childcare assistant with FeTech Level 5 accreditation in childcare is wanted to work 20 hours per week in Cora. Uh, CVs please to bbcora at gmail.com and Jones Agri in Valley Desmond. They're recruiting an estimator with experience in the agri slash steel industry contact Matthew on 087 294 6881. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: You're listening to Cork
2: Today on Replay. On C103. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: Cork Today on C103. Now yesterday, the
4: 28th of January, was the first ever World Louis Body Dementia Day. And we could not let that day pass without chatting to well-known North Cork man, Kevin Quaid, uh, who has been living with Louis Body Dementia now for over nine years. And I'm delighted uh, to welcome Kevin to studio this morning. Good morning to you. And should I say Dr. Kevin Quaid? Good. <laughs> Good, Good morning, morning to you. You're looking great, which is fantastic. So I suppose that's where we need to start is health-wise. How are you doing? Because you don't just have Lewy body. You also have Parkinson's yeah. disease. So but health-wise, talk to me. I'm not doing too bad. I was diagnosed,
5: we'll say nine years ago, with Parkinson's. And then it took about another two years before I had the death scan, which revealed that I had the Lewy body dementia. And for some reason the Louis body dementia seem to subsume the Parkinson's in that you know I do get tremors but not not very often and not very bad so I suppose there's a plus side for the, the Louis body dementia but Because um, they're
4: not linked in any way are Oh, they? They, are oh totally. they are
5: Oh they are Okay to- Oh they're to- totally linked like Okay the, the amount of people that does it actually call Parkinson's with Louis what is Wow um, They're very 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 much linked and people I look I don't want to frighten anyone, but people who have Parkinson's, um, there's a good chance they may may go on to the uh, bluey bodies. But, you know, the thing I always say about it is people are kind of afraid of a diagnosis, but the best thing I ever did was to get an early diagnosis because you have people that are lying there and they're wondering, do I have it, don't I have it, because they see the signs. Mm. And, I mean, if you go into a neurologist, and you have a scan done and you go in at 11 o'clock this morning um, and you come out at half 11 and you've been told you have Lewy body dementia or whatever type of dementia it is, you're still the same person. It's just now you have a name for what has been keeping you awake at night, for what has been bothering you. You have an explanation about the hallucinations, the nightmares Everything then makes sense, so you know saying, well, if I don't get diagnosed, I don't have it well you know it's not the case, and the earlier you get the diagnosis, the more
4: help you, yeah that you can you can find and uh, and can. get and and previous to the diagnosis what what did you think was wrong with you?
5: I had no idea. I was very lucky because it was that doctor in Australia that said to me. Will you go and get checked for early onset Parkinson's or Alzheimer's? And that was when I was 50. And I probably wouldn't have listened to him only for the fact that an uncle of mine had died in America from Alzheimer's. And another uncle of mine, which I found out later, on my mother's side, her anniversary, her first anniversary is actually next weekend, he died from what I have. So that's what made me do what the doctor said. There was little things happening that were bothering me. I was having... uh, The worst of them all were the nightmares, the severe nightmares. And I was seeing things that I didn't know whether they were there or not. But I was keeping them to myself. And all the small little subtle things were, were bothering me. But I was keeping them to myself, as I said. Then I had high blood pressure problems, constipation. So many different red flags that are there. And, you know... If that you, you now know are red that flags. Know, know. And if yeah. you're being treated for different things and the treatments aren't working, then you need to dig a little deeper until you get the answer. I mean, the day that I was diagnosed, that Helena and myself were there, that I was diagnosed with lewy biodementia dementia All I had was dementia, I didn't hear the way, I didn't hear body, and I said, this has to be wrong, because I was like so many out there, I thought dementia was memory loss or whatever. I still remember your first interview with me here. All those um, years ago, yeah. In 2018, when I wrote my first book. And a miracle has happened to me in the last six months, because... When you come to terms with the fact that you have a disease that's both incurable and progressive, when you come to terms with it, you kind of know subconsciously that you're going to lose and lose and lose and lose and lose lose your faculties. And the thing about a carer is, or a person living with you, is they cop had months beforehand. So that's why I always say, I have the disease. But Helena lives with it. Mm. And I remember saying to Helena one day, Do you know, am I going to have deaf or whatever? She'd be in the kitchen and we were living in a little <laughs> cottage. And she'd ask for I want, a cup of coffee. And I wouldn't know what she said. And um, I met a girl by the name of Sarah from Hidden Hearing and just said it to her. And I got my hearing tested. And I got hearing it.
4: And I was is is that just an age thing, or was that also linked to Louis Body? It is so linked. It oh, is my goodness. Believable. Because,
5: you see, the thing about it is, if your hearing is going, it's not going to go over bank today. So it's going slowly. So, I'll say I'm having a conversation with you, and there's a an noisy background, Are you have a low voice. You get sick of saying, can you say that again? I know, I know. Or, or Can you repeat that? that? Yes. And yes. then you go to the stage where I'll watch your facial expressions. And if you're smiling, I'm smiling away and I'm nodding with oh, you. No, and oh, if no. you frown, I start to frown. And if the conversation gets uncomfortable, you withdraw. And over a period of time, you will stop going to even family gatherings because the noise is too much or you won't be able to understand what someone is hearing. And oh, my God. When I got my hearing back. The it difference? Was just like, yes, Louis-Barré dementia is doing what it's doing to me, but I got my hearing back.
4: But the one thing I've and I, I follow you extensively on uh, social media. Um, and as you say, I, w- I remember interviewing you with the with the first book and thinking, God, this guy is incredible. And, I, you know, and I can't believe all these years later you're back in and I know there's another book uh, on the way. You're you, you, you you're traveling extensively. You, you constantly seem to be somewhere talking at, at something. It has you're a great representative for people with Lewy body in what can be achieved And what you can do. I mean, you haven't laid down under it and thought, oh, my God, this is it. My world is over. You're out there very much promoting. If you can see a positive side to any disorder, you're out there promoting it and and what help is available for people. And that's important. And it's obviously important to your frame of mind and keeping you in the frame of mind you're in. It's the only thing to do. And it comes back to it. if you get an early
5: diagnosis, you know, take your time, sit with it, let it sink in, talk to your family about it, but then do something about it. Find that passion that's within you. And for me, it started off as writing. And for a young fellow going to school, I think, I think I screw up a D in my English <laughs> living sort. And I laughed. I remember laughing the here. They You said, we've all Kevin quite," And I looked at you and I said, you are, you've a book written. And, It just, you come to a T-junction in your life and you always thought you were going left. But I had to turn right. And the amount of amazing people that I have got to meet, that I have got to work with. I'm an advocate Monday to Friday. Well, I'm an advocate seven days a week. But I'm chair of the Irish Dementia Working Group for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. But I'm also a vice chair of the European Working Group for Alzheimer's Europe, which takes me all over Europe to conferences. And, you know, I've gone from nearly talking about Louisville dementia to almost being a motivational speaker Mm. about what you can do, what you can achieve. Don't ever give up, you know. Don't ever take the fight to it because it has made such a difference to my life. And the other side of it is, and I keep talking about carers, the difference it makes to them when they see you up and about and doing something and we had a massive night here in Mallow the other night. Mallow was made a dementia inclusive town.
4: Town, yeah, which Unbelievable. is Unbelievable. Yeah.
5: Fabulous day doing the training with Alice Rail. Um Mallow's Mallow's life years ahead. And the amount
4: of... We need every town and city, though, to be like that. Every
5: town, because city and we, we
4: And we, we often reference the fact that we have an ageing population, mm-hmm. which, which we do. And we know by its nature, uh, any form of dementia is more likely to affect uh, somebody as they get older. We are going to have more and more people diagnosed. So therefore, as communities, we have to be ready for that. And that's why what Mallow has done is incredible. It's unbelievable.
5: And, and the thing about it is, and it's a very small thing, there's a 6 by 6 sticker up and, up and will be up on the windows with a telephone number of a helpline. So if you're walking by and you see even the number and you have a concern about yourself or a loved one, the help is there in front of you who are ever going to a shop. But for the person who has dementia, they know that that shop or whatever building it is is a safe place to them. And a community is everything. I mean everything. Like this is coming from Limerick man now and I'm gonna press so I <laughs> you might want to keep this for possibility. The people in Cantork are so so fantastic to me. And like I'm a complete blow in and they have great fun with me and we have great fun together. And I don't take my I don't take myself too serious. I don't take life too serious. I live it each day as it comes.
4: And anyone who who's read your books will, will know that. And you have you've a, you've a great uh, turn of phrase. What, what what do you most worry about into the future for you?
5: I don't worry um, about anything for me. I worry about my family. Because I know about this course. I've seen this. I've seen the end stages of this. And it's horrible, and I don't want them witnessing that. For yeah. me, it doesn't make a difference because I'll be in. A, I'll be in it. I won't know it. It's like a hurling game, and you often see lads after in an intense hurling game, and it's such. A, it's such an intense and fast game that when the players are interviewed after. It's over. They don't realise how good a game it is. And it's like I'm in the game. But it's the ones in the sidelines that are watching. And they're the ones I have pity for. Well.
6: Not the, me.
4: Yeah, they call it the long goodbye for 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 a reason. But you're many, many years away from that. Uh please God. And and I know you you have the walking stick uh, with you for the Parkinson side of things, but you're very mobile. I actually I could actually walk from here
5: to Kentucky without the walking stick. Could you, yeah. And you know the reason I take it? Is walking out the door or just walking down the yard, I could stumble. I'd yeah. lose my balance. Habit for so the security. one way to stop losing your balance yeah. is keep the walk and stick with you. Okay. Like I'd never use it inside inside around home or if I was at a meeting or that. And
4: that is the reason why I use it. Like it's it's Ooh.
5: just Security. It's security. security. I mean, it stops, it's security. It stops me from falling.
4: And I mentioned at the outset when I introduced you that uh, you're Dr. Kevin Quaid. You got a doctorate, an honorary doctorate in philosophy. Yeah. Tell me about that. That was, it. that was, that um, must have been a really special day for you.
5: I don't even know how I'm going to get through this, but my mum died 12 months ago, uh, the 5th of February. And, uh, I got a presidential award from uh, Longford International College last year but this year I got a call that they were giving me an honorary doctorate um, from Rushbrook and Longford International College Uh, Paul Brady and I can't think of the name of the Sky Sports presenter the three of us got it but what made it so special for us as a family was there was two of my brothers and my dad were there yeah and when it was over I took it down and handed it him. And uh, it was the proudest moment of my life. And he said his as well. And you know, after the year that he has had they were married sixty years, it was um just a small little highlight. Special day, yeah,
4: special day. And and I know when you returned from Australia, you returned uh, because you were starting to realise the Parkinson's, and at the back of your head was the possibility of the Louie the Louie body. And and I remember talking to you and saying, and you loved Australia, and you had a great life in Australia. And I remember saying to you, would you ever go back to Australia? And you said, unfortunately, no, you'd never be able to go back to Australia. And the first thing you've informed me this morning. You go back to Australia?
5: <laughs> never, never. Well, I have. There's one of my grandkids, Piper, who I, I, I haven't I haven't met yet, and she's two and a half three, going on three. Yeah. Piper. Uh, yeah. Oh, what a gorgeous name! Um, oh, and like she's the boss. She? She's my, my daughter, Noreen, and Josh's daughter, and I'm just so so glad to see her. But I got invited to speak at. The University of Tasmania in Hobart, wow! And it was just something I couldn't refuse, and I I said, you know, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this happen. And when is that? When when are you have your date on it? The sixth. We leave the sixth of March, and we're back the 9th of April. Wow! And i mean in that's in, Tas, in Tasmania. I think from the twenty to 23rd Actually, that came more through working with people in Trinity College to the Um, Alison Kent did It was there from Hobart uh, with GBHI and she it just all came about by pure accident and I said no I have to make this happen I have to and it was it wasn't even on my radar Mm. but it just shows if you're determined enough and you put your mind to
4: it anything can happen and you are you are. You I'm are. Thinking. You are, You are. You are incredible. You're inspirational. You're just. And, and I'm very conscious, Kevin, of people listening to us who are either recently diagnosed and because you always speak about the carers. I'm, I'm thinking of, of the carers. What, what, what do you say to people today who either maybe have suspicions that they need to get a diagnosis or have just got that diagnosis? What what what's your message to them? If you have
5: suspicions, go and get the diagnosis. And like I said earlier, it doesn't change who you are. It actually may take away a little bit of the worry. Um, We hold a thing called Tea Time with Louis once a month. People from all over the world are there. It's a Zoom meeting, it's completely private, it's not recorded, but there's a clinician there, there's, there's carers there, there's researchers there, there's experts with the lived experience like myself. And the amount of people that can come, and you can come and keep your camera off. You can speak, you don't have to speak. But it just gives you an idea of the support that's there. The one, one piece of advice is, for God's sake, don't do not do this alone. Mm. Because it's a lonesome journey. And the loneliness and the fear that's attached to this disease, only the people that have it can understand it. You can be with your closest friends, your closest family, and by God, have I got some good friends. And you could be one-on-one or be with a crowd and you can just feel so fearful and so alone. But when you're with people who have the disease that I have, we get it. Mm. We understand one another, you know, and it's easy to talk about it to one another. And I suppose that's, that's why I keep doing what I'm doing and when I'm in Europe, you're meeting people from other countries with the same disease. I mean for God's sake I walked some of the chimena this year. That was a complete no no and I was thinking what well, I do it in a wheelchair and then I said no. I oh. I got a call, and I said, "You know, I, I walk with a walking stick." Yeah, and
4: we and, make it happen. And we and we all remember one of my, certainly one of my favorite actors, Robin Robin Williamson, it was only after he passed away that we discovered he also yeah. had had Louie body. Listen, you are an absolute inspiration. Enjoy the trip to Australia, because sure, I, I know yeah. you're going to have a ball, particularly meeting up with with Little Piper. My best wishes to Helena, who was to join us this morning, but unfortunately she's got laryngitis, so that doesn't work on radio. So <laughs> send her my love as well. And we will talk again. Looking forward to book number three, uh, by the way. But uh, Kevin Quaid, uh, Dr. Kevin Quaid, thank you for joining us in studio. Thanks for being Good, me good morning.
5: Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie.
1: Cork today on C103. And thank you. You can see a
4: lot of uh, texts and WhatsApps coming in from people just saying um, how glad they were to hear uh, Kevin Quaid speak about living with a Lewy body dementia and what an inspirational man he is. Allow me he continue. Yeah, he's, he is terrific. We always love to have Kevin uh, with us in uh, studio. Now, we have all heard the phrase we are what we eat. But just what is the relationship between our diet and the rise of chronic diseases? Word-leading academic Professor Jen Jens Walter, is undertaking groundbreaking research at UCC to look at the impact of modern lifestyles and diets on our health. And I'm delighted to say Professor Jens Walter has taken time out to talk to us this morning. Good morning to Jens.
0: Good morning, Patricia. You're,
4: Thanks for having me. Well, you're, you're very welcome. Now, our diets are very different to our ancestors. What do you believe they did right that we're doing wrong?
0: When they had um, both the advantage and disadvantage that they had no access to modern foods, you know, so meaning they were not eating the processed foods that are rich in, in sugar and fat that we are eating, and for the most part, they were also consuming, you know, bland-rich diets, very high levels of dietary fiber, and they really, we, we have good research evidence for this, They ate hundred grams or 120 grams of dietary fiber, which is almost 10 times more, you know, than we are eating today, and this is in certain aspects, made them healthier when it comes to chronic diseases.
4: Yeah, and I know you've already uh, undertaken uh, studies showing the difference if we move away from what you call an industrial diet. Talk to me about that and talk to me about the results that you found.
0: Yeah, we have spectacular results actually. So we conducted a human trial where we moved actually healthy Canadians, you know, from their Canadian diet to this non-industrialised type diet. And Within three weeks, their cholesterol dropped 20 percent. You know, their blood glucose went down six percent, and all their markers of inflammation improved. So you can make, you can really. As well, it's an extreme diet shift. But if you are willing to do this, you can do tremendous benefits to your health through something like that.
4: So it's cut out all the processed stuff.
0: Yeah, it was. It was, There was no processed foods. Um, it was not vegetarian, but it was. They have probably 80, 90 percent plant based foods, you know, legumes, beans and, um, and then, you know, Jerusalem artichokes. Yeah, we will actually we we'll publish a, the paper on this soon and we will actually provide the recipes then when, okay. when that's available. Yeah.
4: OK, and it's all about uh, having good gut health and, and we're hearing more and more about good gut health. So what is good gut health and how do we achieve it?
0: I mean, I struggle with the term gut health, you know, from a scientific perspective. So for me, it is really more metabolic and immune health. You know, that is, so the the hypothesis is, you know, that because of our lifestyle, because we are not, you know, we are losing these beneficial microbes because of the diet we eat and the antibiotics that we take, you know, that that we are not getting, so these microbes contribute to our metabolism and they contribute to the education of our immune system and how our immune cells function so I think it's more it's more systemic in terms of the immune system and metabolism you know that our health is is impaired through the life we live, and this predisposes us to these chronic diseases
4: and when you talk about chronic diseases what what are you talking about Jens?
0: i mean it's a it's a wide range of what some find is called western Blakes you know it starts with obesity which has you know, in some modern countries, has reached 50, 60 percent, and then. But also, you know, immune-mediated diseases like you know inflammatory bowel disease, autoimmune diseases like multiple sclerosis. If you look into the literature, you know, 60, 70, 100 years ago, these these diseases were virtually absent. And if we look, we work, for example, in rural Papua New Guinea. If you look there, there you will also not find these diseases. So there is really something in our modern lifestyle it predisposes us to these diseases and this is quite well recognised now in the medical community and type 2 diabetes would be another example, you know, of a chronic disease that is almost becoming an epidemic.
4: Yeah, well, As I said at the outset, we are what we eat, it's what we're putting into our, uh, into our mouths unfortunately. And, and, and the microbiomes, they can be found in people in other parts of the world but not here.
0: So this is the fascinating part that so we've studied, for example, the microbiome in rural Papua New Guinea and in, you know, Amazonian, Indian, you know, in the Venezuelan rainforest, and their microbiome is, is much, much richer than our microbiome, much more diverse. And we think, you know, it's because of the diet they're eating and, you know, also the lack of, of antibiotics. And we are actually, we, we've actually started to isolate these bacteria, and actually one, one study here in Cork, we are now actually trying to put one of these bacteria back into humans, Actually, support it then with a nutritional supplement and see how that influences the immune system of, you know, Irish people. Yeah.
4: And you mentioned antibiotics. Do we take way too many antibiotics?
0: Antibiotics are life saving, but yeah, I think there's a good um, recognition amongst the medical community that we overuse um, them, you know, and even, you know, and you probably know this from your doctor, you know, as soon as you know, you have a certain, you know, I don't know, ear infection or a certain, you know, stomach bug. You know, it's, it's easy to go to these antibiotics. I don't know exactly how it is in Ireland, but definitely in the US, they are vastly oversubscribed.
4: Yeah, I think our GPs, in fairness to them, have started to shift away from that. I mean, you will you'll hear so many doctors say that's a virus an antibiotic is not going to work <laughs> for that. Yeah, whereas, her yeah, yeah. whereas once mm-hmm. upon a time you went in and you were handed the antibiotic as soon as you gave the symptoms, whereas that seems to be to be moving. And you're looking um, Jens for participants for a new study. What, what are you asking people to do?
0: That's exactly true. So we are, this is exactly the study that I said. So we're trying to recolonize individuals that carry excess weight, you know, with one of these lost microbes and we are then combining this with a dietary fibre supplement. So we are trying to restore to some degree, the ancestral, you know, microbiome, at least one step at a time. And so they, the people have to, you know, they should get in touch with us. Um, you know, there's a, we have an email address, probiotic Study at ucc.ie. The study is actually called the Symbiont Restore Study, so you can also Google this. And then we ask for people, though there will be a few meetings, you know, and then they have to, um, you know, provide a few um, blood and stool samples and we will give them, you know, bacteria and dietary fibre, you know, in a powder in and in a tablet.
4: OK, OK. All right. And, and uh, we have that email address. If anybody's looking for it, we can pass it on. Listen, Gens, uh it's fascinating work that you're doing. Uh, keep it up. And thank you for taking time out to talk to us today.
0: Thank you, Patricia. Good Appreciate morning it. to you. Bye you. Bye-bye.
4: bye-bye. Professor Jens Walter there of uh, UCC with groundbreaking research on the impact of our modern uh, lifestyles. Uh, 0818 103 103 and talking of diets and good gut health that's exactly what we'll be talking about in the next hour because it is Monday which means Annalise Trussell, our nutritional therapist will be here to answer all of your questions. If you have a question for Annalise, you can call Bernie oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three, or if you want to text or WhatsApp me to the studio Feel free 0862 103 103. A reminder to you, if you're one of those people that were trying to get your hands on a copy of that wonderful book that was published in Donnerail called Donnerail Memories, it was a book of photographs that was published before Christmas and they sold out so, so quickly. Well, the organisers behind it are thinking of doing a rerun, but they need to find out the level of interest because they don't want to end up reprinting a load of books that don't sell. So they're looking for people to please make contact with with them you can call 087 685, 087 685 if you're one of those people who'd like to purchase a copy of the Donnerail uh, Memories which this book is surely going to be a collector's item but they need to hear from you before the 14th of February and then a firm decision will be made on whether to go for a rerun or not. Our lines are open at 0818 103, 103. Some of your calls and comments coming in to the programme some reaction to the call that we had in earlier and this was to do with a section of the road near uh, Ballyduff that is flooded and a listener was saying the reason for it was the the dikes and the hedgerows haven't been cut back and that prompted Michael who is a farmer in the Ballyduff upper area and he says that farmers aren't allowed to touch the dikes anymore. He says because of the Green Party but what he was talking about was the Wildlife Act and that they can't uh, cut back on the hedgerows and if they do they will lose their uh, subsidies. Well, Morris says that's a load of rubbish that Michael is on about when it comes to the hedgerows. You can cut the hedgerows back. You can cut them back between September and the end of February. Anyone that doesn't, I think, says Morris, should be prosecuted and fined. So we're in the cutting season, just about a month left though before people won't be allowed to do it. And Michael in Glengariff says when contractors do cut the hedges they often don't pick up after themselves. That is another cause of flooding because if they cut the hedgerows and then leave Leave all the trimmings behind. That's blocking up the dikes uh, as well. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. We were talking about good gut health in the last hour with the professor from UCC and the work that he is doing. That's prompted somebody to say, Patricia, should the HSE and the World Health Organisation not roll out disease prevention and health promotion diets? Give us the information. And help to influence people all around the world. Surely, if they did that, there would be less hospitals and there would be less waiting lists. The science and the proof is there for good health with specialized diets and nutrition. Yeah, and I thought his, I thought Dr. Jen, or Professor Jens, I thought his, when he was talking about the people who live in Papua New Guinea, who obviously have a much different diet to what we're uh, eating, and it's a lot of what our ancestors would have eaten, homegrown uh, food, for example, and no processed food, their difference, and they don't have the chronic diseases that we have here so yeah we are what we eat for sure and thank you to a number of people saying that they were delighted to hear Kevin Quaid on the programme Dr Kevin Quaid who lives with Louis Body Dementia. just saying what an incredible man uh, he was John says I actually met Kevin at Mallow GAA such a nice man he was a pleasure to meet lots of people saying how inspirational he was uh, Tony Wilkinson says as you know you were talking to one of the most generous of men that I know, Kevin Quaid is is Quaid is truly a Trojan advocate for Louis body dementia. How Kevin does all of the work he does, uh, traveling to Brussels, etc, and living with the condition is absolutely beyond me, and a huge call out to his partner slash carer Helena to someone who is living with Lewy body dementia. It is both who are affected day, uh, day, day after day, uh, wishing them both the best. And that's Tony Wilkinson. Thank you for that, uh, Tony, and continue good health to you as well. And in fairness to Kevin, he always calls out Helena, his partner, and while he has Lewy body, He always says it's Selena has to live with Lewy body dementia. And someone else says, what a man, credit due to him and all of his achievements. Yeah, Uh, and actually he brought he brought in the actual doctorate that he received from the university. He can be so, so proud uh, of that. And uh, we wish him continued good health so he can continue with his travels and continue with his talks and continue to advocate on behalf of other people with uh, dementia. He really is uh, fantastic. Hi, Patricia, earlier on you mentioned the top turn, top 10 on-air earners of RTE for 2022. When you read out the salaries, you should say they were paid, not they earned. Because Eamon in Cork City feels they don't earn the money. And then someone else says, Patricia, this has got to be the reason why people are not paying their television licence. What's going to happen? They can't bring everyone to court. Well, actually, Ralph Regal is writing in The Independent today that there has been a substantial increase in the numbers summoned for not paying their €160 Euro television licence. Uh, Ralph has got, had figures released to him which show that more than 13,000 people were summoned to appear before the courts last year for non-payment with the numbers facing prosecution since the controversy broke back last June it's gone up by 33% a month the figures show that between January 1 and November 30th last year on post applied for a total of 13,137 summons this to the district court. However, that figure is expected to rise over the next six months given the surge in the numbers refusing to pay a licence in the wake of the RTE crisis. Sources are indicating that given the lag time involved in prosecuting licence non-payment and even greater increase in summonses is now expected right across this year and those who don't pay a TV licence the fine is up to €1,000 you can even end up with a term in prison and listen I've heard people anecdotally, and people actually contact this programme who haven't paid their TV licence because of everything that went on with RTE. People who said they have always paid their TV licence and people said they will go to court and we've even had one or two said they will be willing to go to jail rather than pay it. So I think the courts are going to be busy and interesting over the next number of weeks and months. Now on post, by the way, they make every effort to promote the purchasing of a TV uh, license and thereby ensuring that everyone is compliant because there is a law that states if you have a TV, we must have a TV license. So on post issue reminders and uh, they go, they do household visits to confirm a possession of a TV uh, license. Uh, while it is an offense not to possess a TV license prosecutions through the courts, are absolutely the last resort. So where are we at with TV licence? One in five householders are now refusing to pay a licence fee with overall licence sales. They were down 13% last month. And obviously the revenue then directly lost to RTE is at about uh, 20 million euro. But of course, they got a big bailout, didn't they? Just before uh, Christmas, they got a 56 million euro bailout from the uh, government. So even if that 20 million euro had been paid up by the License beard, They still would have need uh, needed a bailout. Uh, interesting that the Sunday Independent revealed yesterday that the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, he actually favours the abolition of the TV licence and he instead wants it replaced with exchequer funding. So ultimately the taxpayer would pay, but he would prefer for it to be paid all out of the exchequer and that households wouldn't have to pay the €160. Uh, euro. Now that's what... Leo Varadkar believes because I know that Thonishtha, uh, Micheal Martin, and the Finance Minister Michael McGrath—they've both previously argued publicly for the retention of either the TV licence or a household charge which has been spoken about because they questioned the appropriateness of an exchequer funding uh, model if it was just paid for by the exchequer. That's what happens in the UK, the BBC for example and in many other countries they're just funded by the exchequer. The BBC are not allowed to take advertising. They get all their money uh, from uh, exchequer funding. Well, all of their money comes from their TV licence but then they have a much larger... Uh, licence base. They have a much bigger number of, uh, much bigger population base so they get a lot more money and so all of their money comes directly from uh, the licence but RTE has never been in a position because we haven't had a population big enough for just all, for everything to be funded by the licence so they've always been allowed to take advertising uh, as well so that that argument has still not been sorted out as to how RTE are going to be funded going forward but all we do know is Kevin Backhurst is adamant that the wage packets I just read out will we will not be seeing those into the future. 0818 103 103. On the traffic in Charleville that we spoke about earlier with a reminder that that meeting is going on tonight at half past seven in the Charleville Park Hotel if you are living in Charleville or you go through Charleville and you're worried about the amount of HGVs that travel through the town every single day. Somebody says on Charleville uh, traffic it has its problems but it isn't Just Charleville Town. Look at Mallow and Buttervent. Too many HGVs are also going through Mallow and Buttervent. But this listener says too many people are taking risks by walking out onto the road between cars and not crossing at the traffic lights and not crossing at the pedestrian crossing. Mallow has been waiting for its new bypass road for years and years and years. People need to learn how to cross busy roads safely and the best way to do that is to use the crossings that are provided and we know and I mentioned this that there's going to be three new crossings, well they're well, they're called tabletop crossings uh, put in in Charleville to try to make it a bit safer. And then Eddie in Ovens is a HGV driver so this is somebody who knows what he's talking about. He says... There are blind spot mirrors on trucks today. One is on top of the passenger door, and another is on the front of the windscreen. There's also a wide angle blind spot screen you can stick onto the glass on the passenger door. Also, some trucks are fitted with cameras, two on the left. One facing forward, one facing back, and one on the windscreen and one on the driver's side. Eddie says, I was in Port Leash one night. I was stuck in traffic when I just spotted two school children taking a shortcut going under my Arctic trailer. Oh my God. I just spotted them in time and thankfully everything was okay. I always think of them now when I'm driving through towns, but you need. Eyes in the back of your head. It can happen so fast. Drive safely, folks. That's comedian ovens. Wow, Whoa. goodness me! And and, could, and and then it's the impact on the HGV driver when an accident like that happens, or when a fatality happens. I mean, I always think whenever we announce here on the radio that there's been another death like that, particularly a pedestrian death like that. Um, and I always think, obviously, of the family, you know, and the bereaved family and all of that, but I, all oh, my heart always goes out to the driver because nobody goes to work intending that they're going to be in some way responsible. And in many ways, they're not even responsible, but their vehicle was responsible. Ultimately, in killing somebody, yeah, you, your heart would go out to HGV drivers. So stay safe, uh, Eddie. And thank you for your uh, text to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And here's somebody who is not happy with Bambi, Thug and our entry into the Eurovision. Hi, Patricia. I was absolutely shocked that anyone who did not like the Irish entry into the Eurovision was described as haters and right-wing activists. The song has satanic elements to it. I have nursed transgenders and I have a relation who is married to somebody of the same sex. I do not hate anyone. However, I do have deep Christian values and the hate is often directed at us. In fairness, I don't think Everyone who was giving out about Bambi Thug and the, the and, Not liking the song. I don't think everybody was described as haters. Some people just don't like the song, which is fine. I play songs every day and there's bound to be listeners who love a particular song and there's bound to be listeners who hate a particular song. Uh, Certainly, I mentioned uh, right-wing activists in that many right-wing activists, known right-wing activists, jumped on the song and jumped on Bambi Thug and were really spreading a lot of hate. But that's not to say that everyone who didn't like the song on Friday night are either a right-wing activists. Of course, there are people who will just not like the song. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. I can see questions coming in for Annalise. If you want to keep those questions coming in, please, because she will be joining us soon. 0818 103, 103 Bernie's taking the calls with your questions, and I can see some coming in by text and uh, WhatsApp as well. So keep those coming to 0862 103, 103
1: The C one zero three Cork Diary with
2: Cork County Council making.
5: Cork County, the place to live work, visit and invest in. See CorkCoco.ie
4: Can we give you another shout out to Cancer Connect? They're urgently looking for volunteers in particular to drive an eight-seater bus now it will travel from the Canturk area to CUH and the Bon Secure Hospital and of course Cancer Connect it brings passengers to radiotherapy you'd be required to drive one day per week. Now you, I know it is an eight-seater bus but a normal car licence, your B licence is sufficient. If anybody thinks they could give up a day a month to do what is fantastic work with Cancer Connect, please give them a call 021 203 8525. Can Tidy Towns Committee they're holding their AGM half past seven tonight in the Adele Quinn Hall. Everyone is very welcome. Uh, The Rathmore Panto Puss and Boots continues in Rathmore Community Centre. It's on Wednesday to Saturday of this week nightly. There'll be a matinee on next Sunday at three. The booking office is open daily two to six and it's next door to Christie's Takeaway or you can call 085 203 1730 and proceeds from the Rathmore Pantomime going to Kerry Parents and Friends uh, Group. And the Mallow Art Club will welcome artist Cathy Tiernan... To their West End Art Gallery this Thursday, the 1st of February. She has had many solo exhibitions as well as displays at the Limerick City Gallery and the Limerick Hunt Museum. All are welcome to attend on Thursday, half past seven start, admission, five euro for members and seven if you're a non member.
5: Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie.
1: Court today on C103. Tom
4: in Donnerail has been on to us on the traffic in Charleville. He reckons the town should have two permanent traffic wardens who should be put to work watching pedestrians not using the crossings. He says anybody caught not using the crossings should be issued with on-the-spot uh, fines. That's from Tom in Donnerail. And then listen to this for a frustrating uh, WhatsApp that came in uh, to us going Hi Patricia um, I always tax my car online have to admit says this texter I do it out of convenience however my son bought a car and wanted to drive it as soon as possible I didn't want him driving without a valid disc up on the windscreen so last Friday morning 26th of January I drove from West Cork up to Cork City to go to the tax office so I could get the disc immediately. Now, I had tried to book an appointment online the night before. I had to set up an account with Court County Council. I had to verify my account, etc. But it still wouldn't let me make the appointment. So, I rang them at opening time on Friday morning, which was at 9.15am, saying I'm already in Bishopstown at this time, at this stage, only to be told the next available appointment would be Friday the 7th. That was 12 days Later, I begged and pleaded, explaining I'd driven especially from West Cork. I said, "Look, I've no problem waiting. I'll wait in line for as long as it takes, and I've all the forms filled up, everything ready to go, but no good." The gentleman I was talking to then said, "You do know we're appointment only since the COVID nineteen pandemic. How frustrating is it that they're still using COVID as an excuse? When will all this madness end?" It's got to be about one of the last places that you need to make an appointment, and and yes, it did it did it was brought in during covid and a lot of places like that there was no access to the public you had to do everything online or or if you were to get access it was only by appointment only i, I I'm shaking my head because I don't know why they're still going on the appointment only and particularly when you'd made the journey from West Cork and you tried to do everything correctly. It definitely is frustrating. We'll see if we can get on to the tax office to see do they have any plans to revert back to the way it used to be where people used to go in and queue up and sometimes you could be very lucky and you could get in and out really quickly but at other times particularly certain times of the month it could be way way uh, busier but if people are willing to do it then should they be given they, should they be given the chance uh, to do it? Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Your thoughts on that? And I don't know if the, if many other people have been caught out with that as well, where they've where they've tried to just go in to tax their car to be told no you can only do it online Lorraine in Douglas said having recently visited Paris and spent a lovely afternoon at the Louvre Art Gallery she can't understand why activists would throw anything at the wonderful Mona Lisa painting what are they hoping to achieve well I tell you Lorraine they're hoping to achieve exactly what we're doing now we're talking about their campaign and it's I saw it on the news yesterday I've seen it all over the papers uh, today and it was activists from a French organization called Repost Alimentaire my French is really bad Uh, they sprayed the the Leonardo da Vinci painting with pumpkin soup. I was looking at it on TV I thought it was cream of tomato soup but it was pumpkin soup. Uh, The museum confirmed no damage thankfully was done to the world famous uh, painting because it's been behind actually uh, protective armoured glass since 2005. Now following the incident police say they've arrested two people and there was a video that was widely shared by the French news agency. It was all over the internet and I even saw it on the news last night and a woman could be seen throwing the liquid which we now know is pumpkin soup from a tin splashed it all over the Mona Lisa she then crossed what is a boundary between the painting and the public it's kind of a rope thing that they have and you're not allowed to go any closer uh, than that and then she was joined by another another, uh, woman and they were wearing these t-shirts with the name of their organisation on it and actually the organisation translates into food response so they're a, sustain, a sustainable food group. And then they were heard to shout, what's the most important thing? Art, our right to healthy healthy and sustainable food. They shouted, our farming system is sick. Our farmers are dying at work. Now, this group described themselves as a collective which seeks to highlight the need to protect sustainable food why are they wasting food by throwing pumpkin soup then as the Mona Lisa would be my first question to them. Uh, Now, I don't know if they are in any way connected with the major protests that have been going on for the last few days by farmers in France. And this is in a bid to pressurise the government to give in to their demands, their growing food. They want it to be made easier and they want it to be more lucrative. Uh, The movement has really spread across the country now with protesters using their tractors to shut down large stretches of roads and their slow traffic on some of the major routes. I know they were talking about trying to close down in Paris uh, today. The farmers are seeking better pay for their produce. They want less red tape and obviously a lot of that red tape is coming from the EU. So I imagine a lot of our farmers, some of them listening to this programme are nodding their heads and probably agreeing with the French farmers that there is too much red tape but they also want protection against cheaper imports. And uh, uh, so as I say, I don't know whether this group who are trying to Uh, protect uh, sustainable food. I don't know whether they're linked to the farmers organisation or not, but it's not the first time that Mona Lisa has been attacked. She was attacked again in 2022. Uh, There was a man disguised as an elderly woman in a wheelchair on that particular occasion. He threw a cake at the painting. He was wearing a wig and lipstick and he called on people to think of the earth as he was led away from the scene. But thankfully, you know, the Louvre Art Gallery, they have really, really, they really do protect the Mona Lisa because it would be dreadful if something happened to that gorgeous uh, painting. Back in the 50s, they put the Mona Lisa behind a glass protection. At that stage, they were afraid of an acid attack. But then in 2005, they actually upgraded the glass protection and they have now made it, they've put armoured glass. So nothing will get between the glass screen in front of Mona and her, and her good self. But they've got splashed in, in pumpkin uh, soup. But yeah, um, when you're asking why do they do it, they do it so that people will talk about, about about them and they do it so that people will draw attention to their campaign so people can find out more about their campaign. And can I say yes, yes, yes to people who are still asking us about the last of the double payments that are being made. They're being made this week. It's the first ever January welfare bonus payment been officially announced today by the Social Protection Minister. Now, so over the course of this week, a double lump sum payment will be issued. 1.3 million people. There's a lot of people will be receiving a, a double payment and it's to help obviously cope with the cost of living. Now, this January bonus is the ninth lump sum payment secured by uh, Heather Humphreys under budget 2024. It'll be paid on the same basis as the Christmas bonus 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 and will include the core weekly rate increase that went up at the start of the year so you'll be getting slightly more than you would have got when you got your double Christmas uh, payment I mean it includes the likes of all the pensioners will be getting it carers thankfully will be getting it and people with disabilities lone parents are getting it low income families uh, are to get it and Heather Humphrey said it's all about putting more money back into uh, people's pockets and recognising that families continue to feel the pinch particularly after the Christmas uh, period and the department said the social protection package in budget 2024 was the highest in the history of the state. So whatever day you pick up your social welfare payment you'll be getting a double week this week. 0818 103 103 Let's take a break and turn our attention to Annalise Drussell our nutritional therapist. Still time to get your questions in 0818 103, 103. or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103
1: Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. To Cork today on C103.
4: And let's set off to the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic where we're joined by Annalise Drussell. Good afternoon to you, Good afternoon,
1: Patricia. Nicely
4: refreshed after your break?
1: Oh, like my, like a new woman, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Um, oh I think the week of sunshine in January is just the job Patricia it lifts your spirits, it gets your vitamin D into your blood and just feel great after it.
4: Yeah and you were away for a crazy week weather wise so you picked the right week to go away for for sure. Okay straight now there's a lot of questions so we'll do our best to get through as many of them as we can this one came in bright and early. Hi question for Annalise please. My 21 year old grandson, third level college student very fit, he works out between four and five times a week but he has an issue with sleeping. It starts Started in leaving cert year and it really hasn't improved. Would you recommend something to help him sleep?
1: Definitely would. Um, and there's a couple of things as well, Patricia. Um, the first thing I would say is that working out late at night um, raises all of your stress hormones because when your body is in the gym pumping weights and doing cardio it thinks it's in fight or flight so it takes quite a while for those stress hormones to come down so actually the best time if you're a poor sleeper to exercise is in the morning or during the day but certainly not at night the second tip would be to cut caffeine out after 2 p.m it sounds really obvious but actually people don't do it they still might have slip in a cup of tea at six or seven o'clock or a quick coffee and actually it really really can make a huge difference for a lot of people especially if you're caffeine sensitive and you don't really know if you are or not. So those two things could help. And then in terms of taking supplements, there's a few. The first one is, and it's gotten really popular at the moment, is the magnesium bisglycinate. So this is a combination of magnesium, which is very good for relaxing the body and the muscles. And then the glycinate, the glycine is one of the precursors to one of the neurotransmitters in our brain that help us feel very calm and relaxed. So that combination one is very good. Uh, we sell a lot here, and the GAL one is a very good one, but you'll get magnesium bisglycinate, viridian dew one, and Prismag is another one. So that's very good. But the best one that we get the feedback here in the shop on is the NHP Advanced Sleep Support. And this is a combination of this magnesium bisglycinate, but there is another eight or nine different herbs in there, like skullcap valerian, chamomile hops, um, Montmorency cherry extract all of the a combination of everything really that can help bring down the um, hormones and the 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 neurotransmitters that keep you kind of wired, tired and wired. So they bring them all down to a nice level. So I would definitely try that. It's the NHP Advanced Sleep Support and you'll get it in the health shop.
4: Yeah, actually, we've had to put um, Marsha, our daughter, on uh, melatonin when the clock change. She always gets affected by the clock change being, being you know, deafblind. Clock change really messes up with her, her sleep pattern and um, melatonin works. But of course, I had to get a prescription because it's off-license. It's There was a time when you could just pop in and buy melatonin. It just Absolutely. seems great. And it's only for short periods of time to get a sleep pattern back.
1: And it's fantastic for jet lag as well. Yeah, and melatonin. Yeah. Actually, serotonin is the happy hormone that's converted into um, into melatonin. So um, that that doesn't happen pro- properly for everybody. Yeah. you can. I would suggest that anybody who goes over to France or Spain or the Canaries this time of year or anywhere at all, pick up melatonin when you're over there because you can buy it in all of the shops and all of the pharmacies there. So just pick it up Mm. when you're away and have it there because it'll last for a long time and just keep it for when you need it.
4: Yeah, it's great. Okay, hi, question for Annalise, please. What magnesium product is good for bones and joints Is a banter listener is diagnosed with arthritis?
1: Okay, so magnesium does make up bones along with calcium, but it wouldn't be the first thing I would choose for arthritis. Arthritis really is more wear and tear of the cartilage between the bones that help cushion the bones and provide a kind of a spongy um, pillow between them. To absorb shock. So, arthritis is more wear and tear away of that cartilage. So, to build back up cartilage, there's a few different things that can help. Um, The oldest style one is the glucosamine. Now, this is a um, long term product that's been used since the 60s for joint support, and it can work very, very well. But there's a couple of things with it. The first thing is it can take about six months to notice the difference because it's a really large molecule. So, it takes quite a bit of time to actually pass across the membrane into the cartilage where it's needed. Um, And the other thing as well is it doesn't agree with everyone's stomach. So I would much rather give people something called type 2 or UC2 cartilage. So this is already, it comes from chicken And it's already, the work already has been done by the chicken to build up glucosamine and other things into cartilage for you. So that's a very good one. We also get very good feedback on a supplement by a company called One Nutrition, a lovely Irish company. And it's just called Joint Support. And for some people, it just works really, really quickly and really, really well. So you could try that. And the last thing then is just plain old collagen. So collagen is very good for both your bones because our bones aren't just built of brittle calcium. They also need to be quite elastic to absorb shock. So collagen is very good for both the joints and the bones. So you could take a collagen supplement and it comes in powders. It comes in sachet forms. The powders tend to be the best quality one. And our favorite one here for the joints is the Nature's Plus collagen peptides because there's a combination of different collagens in there, and there's actually also some eggshell membrane, which is particularly good for bad joints.
4: Okay, well done. Hi, Annalise. My daughter has very low iron ferritin. She's taking calfer, but could you give me some advice on anything else she could be taking? That's from Ellen.
1: So we would hear this an awful lot. Galfur really is a very, very difficult form of absor- um, iron to be able to absorb. A lot of people, when they take it, they'll notice that they either get constipated or their stools could be quite blacky. And that's really a sign that the iron is not being absorbed. So the best type of iron, really, in terms of absorption is iron bisglycinate. So we talked about magnesium bisglycinate earlier. So that's magnesium mixed with the the glycine. But the iron bisglycinate is a lovely, gentle iron that's very, very easy to absorb. And you can buy it in capsule form Um, In any health shop, it's very easy to take and we've had very, like, little to no feedback in terms of upset tummies and it seems to bring the iron up quicker. There's also another type of iron that we have here for people who would be, um, you know, have really compromised absorption. So people who are, uh, like, in a bad celiac flare or a bad flare of Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. And it's called lactoferrin. L-A-C-T-O-F-E-R-R-I-N. And it's a form of... um, iron that is super, super easy to absorb. It's almost like the iron that babies would get in breast milk and the lacto, lacto part of it as well is very nourishing for gut health so it's very good if there's an absorption issue.
4: Okay, Ellen has Eileen has this ongoing problem with the children picking up head lice. She thinks they're getting it in the playground when playing with other children. They're reoccurring all the time. They've used several different types of treatments from the chemist. What would you uh, suggest for reoccurring head lice and yeah, yeah you are scratching already even thinking about
1: it. I know it's desperate and it is. It's <laughs> 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 yeah, as well, Patricia, yeah. kind of like a natural reaction. So unfortunately, I think head lice are becoming immune to the chemicals that are used in a lot of those shampoos. So there is a very good um, shampoo by a company called Pure Essentials. We have it here, and it's basically more or less neem. Neem is a tree that is known as um, as, as the, the medicine cupboard of, of India because it has so many different functions. But it's a really good one uh, for actually treating lice. But also, it can be used as a shampoo. It's very gentle and no chemicals in it. As a preventative, um, so it's the pure essentials neem uh, shampoo. And it is—I co- think it might even be called something about lice. It's—it's um, it's, you no, know, it's just pure essential um, lice shampoo. And then you can also buy sprays. The tea tree is actually very discouraging for um, for head lice. They don't like the smell of it. So you can actually buy a tea tree spray, or you can just use ordinary tea tree oil. And the best place to dab it is just at the nape of the neck there, just behind the neck, because that's generally where they tend to land. Um, So that'll discourage them from, you know, jumping from somebody else's head onto your own kid's head and do that every day going into school.
4: Okay, let me go. Where am I going with the questions? Sorry, I've gone to the wrong screen. There's so many questions coming in. Kate in Passage West has high blood, blood pressure and high cholesterol. What should she be avoiding eating?
1: I suppose there's two diets here really that she'll find very easily on the internet. The first one is the DASH diet, which is a very low salt diet for high blood pressure. Um, and the second one then is the Mediterranean diet. Now, my favorite is the Mediterranean diet because it's naturally low in salt. It is so full of, um, of of whole foods. And these would be naturally not just low in salt, but they have the right balance of the salts that we need, which is sodium, potassium, chloride, and magnesium. So vegetables and whole grains are naturally balanced in that. So if she was to follow the Mediterranean diet, I think that would be the best thing. I did actually a podcast recently, Patricia, that I had to do research for, and actually was horrified when I read that 50% of our calories in the Western world, in Ireland and the UK, come from ultra-processed foods. That's 50% for adults. And when it comes to kids, it could be 75 to 100%. So those processed foods, they're so high in fats and sugars and salts and other chemicals that I don't even want to talk about and they're so disgusting but they are hugely contributory to high cholesterol and high blood pressure so the Mediterranean diet will naturally cut out those so I think follow that cut out processed foods and cut out anything white really.
4: Okay, this from Maura says, uh, afternoon Annalise. I'm on uh, Orencia by injection. Now I googled it to see what it is. It's a medication used to treat autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis by interfering with the immune activity of T-cells. Anyway, Maura's on this uh, drug by injection for autoimmune disease. She's no energy. Is there anything she could take that won't affect the injection but to try and give her a bit of an energy boost?
1: Yeah, I definitely could recommend the Source of Life Gold for that. When you're on those T-cells, the T-cells are the cells that tend to attack um, the body in autoimmune conditions where the body is actually attacking itself. So medications called T-cell suppressors stop the activity of those. The main issue with that is that your T-cells are also your first line of defense against viruses and bacteria. So you could be um, more immune-compromised. So for anybody who's on them, I would definitely recommend taking a good supplement of vitamin D just to keep your immune system up. Um, And the only thing really that you have to be very careful of when you're on those medications are things that um, will increase T-cell activity. So echinacea would be a no-no, for example. But really, nearly everything else is safe. So I would certainly take something like the Source of Life Gold for a boost. Um it's about 100% my favorite in terms of a tonic because you get a great energy kick from it. But there are lots of things that you can take naturally for autoimmune disease. So the fish oils um, are very good to help immunomodulate. And they are also natural anti-inflammatories. Um, and then depending on the condition, whether it's gut related or whether it's joint related, there are natural anti-inflammatories that would work for that. So I would definitely suggest looking into that a little bit more because Sometimes the medication is just going to make you feel that tired. So anything that you can take that supports your health and gets you into remission will mean that you can reduce medication as you go along and have less side effects.
4: Any suggestion on how to treat white patches in fingernails?
1: Yeah, so it can be two things now. It can be the first thing in terms of nutrition is that it could be indicative of a zinc deficiency. Um, So I would definitely think about taking a zinc supplement Um, and I take it along at the moment with maybe a vitamin C too because it is great for the immune system. Zinc does loads of things. It's great for our skin as well. Really important for our digestive system. Great for our immune system. Um, and if you have a poor sense of smell and taste after COVID, taking a zinc supplement can be something you can do to restore that as well. So I would try that. Sometimes it could be a calcium deficiency. So if you think that could be an issue, be careful, because that could affect your bones as well in terms of osteoporosis. And then sometimes, Patricia, it's just literally that you banged your nail and you've damaged it. Um, so if your nails are of poor quality, the best supplement to improve the quality of hair and nails, I think, is biotin. It strengthens them right up. So you want to take it in about, uh, in a fairly high dose of about 5,000 micrograms. So there's a good few, like Maconda is a lovely company. They do a high dose one. Uh, we have it in gummies here as well for Nature's Plus for people who can't take tablets. So uh, you'll get that in any health shop.
4: Okay, and very finally, what would you recommend to treat low glucose levels?
1: So, well, low glucose levels tend to generally happen when you haven't been eating very well. Um, So the best thing to do is actually to take a glucose drink um, there and then to bring it up. Now, if your levels of glucose are low, regardless of what you're eating, that definitely is a medical issue. So um, I think that that would need medical attention very quickly. But um, foods that would be good for kind of, Glucose, providing glucose would be, very quickly would be, um, and you know, glucose, sweet, anything sugary really. But if you want to take it in a healthier form, I would suggest that this person snacks fairly regularly. Try not to go longer than two hours without eating something. Fruit um, and a handful of nuts can provide a much uh, more substantial and long-lasting snack to keep your glucose levels up. Swapping um, brown bread, white bread will give you more sustained glucose release over time but won't give you that glucose hit in the moment. So I think if you could base your diet on the whole grains and make sure you include a little bit of protein and fat at every meal, you'll get more sustained glucose release. And then have in your handbag uh, maybe a banana, a glucose drink like Glucose Aid or something like that, or some glucosey sweets, just in case you start feeling it dropping where you'd be, you know, headachey, losing concentration, or getting a bit shaky.
4: Yeah, you get that dip, which is absolutely horrible. Okay, pleasure as always. Thank you for that, Annalise. Thanks for have, have a wonderful week. Annalise, of course, won't be with us next week because we've got our first bank holiday of the new year next year, next Monday uh, with uh, St. Bridget's Day. But Annalise uh, will put up all of the information that we discussed today on her website, which is healthhubstore.com. You go onto the website and as heard on the radio, you can find out more about all of the products and all of the suggestions that Annalise uh, gave. That's why I leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. And we're back with you tomorrow at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon.